Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Dan Excelsior, episode 99, the week before Comic-Con. You got me and you got Dennis this week. Woohoo! We're doing it. Did I just spike the mic right there? I think you're a little, a little, a little spiky, got but Sorry. welcome to the, the new people. I don't know what we did, um, but we have quite a few new people to our YouTube channel. We're just awesome. Which is awesome. I mean, maybe it was a promise of feet picks. Maybe it was a good content. Could be both. Um, we'll find out next week. <laughs> it could have been me being featured like seven times on MarvelousNews.com. Yeah, we got to start charging them. They're, I think they're kind of using you now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I've been, I, I'm really happy that we have like this influx of new people coming to, to check out the show. Or just to check out what other content we got on yeah. on, on, on uh, denixmedia.com. You came at a perfect time when we're going to take a week off. No, we're not going to take a week off, though. I think I think our plan is uh, we want to join and do some mini little live streams like on uh, on the platforms. We're not yeah. going to do this show next yeah, week. We're, we're yeah, we're going to be obviously busy next week. But yeah, we're going to be you'll... at San Diego Comic-Con uh, having a blast, doing fun stuff, and... Um, and and having you know collecting a bunch a bunch of fun news to report that won't be hollywood news because that's not happening <laughs> oh man you just want to get into that right now i mean i have that in my news but i i mean we don't have to yet if you don't want to but uh like i i just think it's uh, i'm pretty freaking excited for comic-con right now because when i started going in 1999 hollywood didn't give a shit about comic Con. you're purist and no, I'm not saying I'm a purist because when I was going, it was still way bigger than when the people who gave me tickets were going, you know, like, um, but for me, when I was going, it was about the comics and the toys and, and the, you know, the merch. And then like somewhere along the way, they started saying like, Hey, do you think, do you think it'd be cool if like we brought like Sam Raimi to talk about Spider-Man or like, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. And give me, give me more of that. You know, and then, uh, you know, ever since then, dude, it's been nuts. Like, uh, and, and so I think Hollywood has just become like so intertwined with Comic-Con that like, that's why it's become such a massive, like pop culture event in like, it's a global event, you know, like everybody, everybody who can't go still tunes in to see what's going on there. And I, I'm just kind of spoiled because this will be like my 24th Comic-Con. Wow. It's Man. really something because, like, I, I got into Comic-Con because of you. And so this is my 10th, 11th Comic-Con, depending on how you count it. Um, I, I count 2020. It counts. <laughs> um, but if you don't want to count 2020, then then it was it's 23. But it, it was – Comic-Con's all I've known in the con space. Over the past 15 years, cons have exploded elsewhere. And I've gone to other cons – and they're, it's they're it's nothing, nothing. nothing. like yeah. not even on the same page of, of what Comic Con right. is and what they do and who they bring, um, and it's incredible. Ace, I mean, it's shit. We're what are we almost sixty years in now, right? Yeah. And it's they're just like it's it is the the mecca for of the nerd and pop culture world for a reason. Yeah, it was. So um, you know, I think it was my it wasn't my first convention that I ever went to. Because I grew up in Vegas, so I was exposed to a lot of conventions, and uh, and I got to go to like CES and and uh, Comdex and stuff, you know, a lot of computer oriented uh, mm -hmm. and and consumer technology kind of stuff. 
uh, just for fun to see like new gadgets and new software and things like that. Um, I did that like as a kid, like, you know, high school, stuff like that. But uh, when I went to Comic-Con, like when I learned about Comic-Con, uh, I was here, you know, or I was in uh, San Diego visiting one summer and my uncle was driving me through gas lamp and I saw all the signs. Right. And I'm just like, what is that? And he explained <laughs> to me that it's like a convention for comic book stuff. And I was like, what? You know, like my mind just was blown. And 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 it, and years later, when I was uh, going to school here and, and uh, you know, a friend of mine had tickets and he unfortunately had a death in the family. So he knew I was a big nerd and he asked me, hey, Dennis, would you like to go in, in my place? Because you could do that back then because they didn't care. You know? <laughs> and I was like, wow, yeah, sorry for your loss, but wow, you know, so I went and it was the most amazing thing I've ever done. And I did it by myself because I didn't know anybody that had tickets. I didn't know, you know, how to do it. I, I just went by myself and it was the most like emotional thing ever for me because I just didn't know that something that beautiful existed. And so I was super spoiled for comic conventions. And then like it took me years and years and years before I ever considered going to another one. And uh, I remember it was, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, my wife was working um, uh, for, we were both working for PlayStation, but um, she got offered the chance to go uh, to work New York Comic Con at the Sony booth and like show off stuff. And um, I was like, weirded out by that. I was like, I don't want to cheat on Comic Con. I don't want to cheat on it, you know? And, but I was like, but she does have a hotel. And so all I do is, all I got to do is pay for a flight. And they, and so we went there and then she was telling people, you know, that we were, uh, that my, my friend Vince and I were in town. And so they're like, oh, we can get them badges if they want, you know? And so, you know, we were just having fun doing New York stuff while she was working every day at a convention. And then we got these free badges and we're like, well, I guess we got to go if it's free, you know, and <laughs> I will say this, New York Comic Con, it's pretty cool. I've heard good stuff on New York Comic Con. It's cool. It's not San Diego Comic Con. Uh, like, I've only ever pretended to go to New York Comic Con. Tokyo Comic Con is pretty cool. Not as cool as, comic, as San Diego Comic Con. WonderCon, cool. Not as cool. LA Comic Con, cool. Not as cool as Comic Con. But tell me why you pretended to go to New York Comic Con. I didn't. I didn't uh, miss that. I heard in that in my my one ununion uh, movie appearance, Ted Two. It took place at New York Comic Con, but the set was on location I, here in LA. I got but it you. was all New York Comic Con branding. I see. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, no. I I think uh, you know obviously I since I New York I became a comic convention slut. Um, and I've just been to a lot of them just because I think it's a, it's a fun experience, I, but I do, I do like comparing and contrasting, but nothing beats. I've either. never had a bad day at a con, but like when I'm at Comic-Con, it's like the most Zen, peaceful, stressful moment of the year for me. Peaceful and, and I, stressful? Yeah. I mean, cause there's like the stress of buying stuff, you know, there's that angle with it, but then you got to see everything and. It's a very like beautiful time in my life every year. And then every other con, you know, I'm I'm fine with like, oh, go in for a couple hours, 
do yeah. the lap and then be done. Yeah. Like I don't I know at the other cons I don't have to see everything because in all honesty, there's nothing at any of those cons that is cooler than the smallest of panel at Comic Con. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just a fact. Like it's just it's just the reality of the people they bring and location and size. I've never been wowed by anything another Comic Con has showed me, can you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, like, am I still wowed by, like, would I rather go to a Comic-Con than go to McDonald's? Yeah, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, like a garage sale, you know, you, every time I drive by a garage sale, you take a little peek, take a look at Lou. I would say it's a little bit cooler than a garage sale, please. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, well, while we're reminiscing, I mean, because I guess we're going to segue right into this. We, uh, in preparation for our, our, our big week. We uh, wanted to kind of take a trip down memory lane. We got some top five uh, Comic-Con moments for, for you and me. All right. I'm excited about this. Let's do this. I, I did politely ask before the show if you could do yours first because I'm I one. I want the chance to be uh, uh, to be uh, um, moved by you. But two, I'm older, <laughs> and I think I've just been to more cons, and I so I think yeah, I have. My, yeah, my my first Comic Con was back in 2005, I think. But it was I only went for the day. I was I was very young. I started regularly going to Comic Con while I was in high school. I would fly over here and uh, come for the summer and, and go to Comic Con starting in 2011. But starting with my number five, it's kind of more just a collective feeling. Uh. Our little pre uh, pre ritual for Comic Con for the past couple of years, we go to the lovely Spaghetti Factory and yeah. enjoy a nice meal on on preview night with uh, the company friend of the show uh, Clark. And this uh, picture was taken Lindsay. in 2015, I believe. Yeah. No, this is last year's picture. I know. <laughs> I, 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 find... <laughs> I was not a part of this group for a minute. Uh, my first uh, couple of years. I'm just of joking because you chose the one time ever that we wore masks to, to this. We Spaghetti don't take Factory. pictures at Comic Con together. Surprisingly um, enough, I have pictures, but yeah, I don't have a lot of, with you actually. That's true. Um, That's true. my first couple of years of Comic Con, I would Dennis was, I think, you were technically tasked with supervising me for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, I would see you maybe once and not by a scheduled meeting. You were just the guy in the wheelchair that I, I recognized, you know. Yeah, I know that man. Um, but no, I think this little meeting of mine, you know, I would actually, to be honest, I have hung out with Clark more than I hung out with Dennis at, at Comic-Con. We're, we're kind of line buddies at this point. But, you know, there, but there's a reason why, and it's the, it's the wheelchair, right? Like, yeah, no, there's, I'm, not, I'm only allowed to bring one person in and I have to go into entries different than everybody else. And so that's, that's why once they change that, because back in the day, before your days, they used to let me bring my whole crew in. Um, and so we would do everything together, but at a certain point, you know, when a, a lot more people started saying they were disabled at Comic-Con, uh, they started, sh uh, getting tight, tightening. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. You gotta, you can't, you gotta. And, yeah. And so, you know, my wife goes with me to Comic-Con every year and I, I feel like it would be a really dirty move if I chose somebody <laughs> else if I attended it, you know? So, but in fairness, you usually go with me on Wednesdays, you know, so on the first night. Um, no, I'm, I have no animosity towards like the I think Comic-Con for me a solo is is quite enjoyable because it's like you, you can do a lot more with just one person. It, it is really hard to do things with a group there um, in general, but it's always nice to have like the one meal or the one meeting. It, it, yeah. it sets the tone for the week. It's a good pregame. I like the pregame. It's fun. 
My number four is a panel back in, uh, I believe it was 2012. Uh, every year, I think it's Collider. They do a panel called, uh, it's called Directors on Directing. And they pull a, you know, a group of directors together for an hour long panel and they just talk. And in that year, the two directors were Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson. Okay. Oh my God, that was an amazing, amazing conversation. Uh, two masters at their craft, just talking and shooting the shit about directing movies. And obviously Spielberg has his legacy, Ted Jackson has his legacy. And just to see him, I don't want to say like joke, but, you know, make light of situations or you talk about moments in specific films where they just winged it. Yeah. it it's it's really cool. And it, it really, you know, shows how talented they are and, and um, you know, why we why a lot of their work is celebrated at comic con that's true that's cool that's awesome number three this is a a little gas lamp moment uh if, if you're listening to the show is the picture of me with a snake around my neck uh if you go to comic con you know comic con of course is in san diego convention center um but half the fun is actually outside of comic con in the streets there's so much uh, stuff going on outside that's just there by association, but not connected to Comic-Con. Um, they shut down the streets. It's an amazing time. And I was out there uh, one year, I think, and this was probably 2013. And a guy had a giant snake. And I'm like, hey, can I pet your snake? He's like, do you want to hold it? And I'm like, yeah, I want to hold a snake. And he just gave me a snake to hold. And I took a bunch of pictures with it. <laughs> Pretty random encounter, but I loved it nonetheless. You know, that's not exclusive to, to Comic-Con, but I... Wow, Ricky, you put on some weight. <laughs> I have. My number two moment is uh, another random gas lamp meetup, this time with a one Kevin Feige. How, How old are that? you in this picture? Uh, this is the Age of Ultron year. So what is that, 2012? 12 or no 13 14 14 14 um comic-con's weird because it's the city really doesn't sleep during the week you you literally in some cases party till 2 or 3 a.m go take a shower and then come back because you have to be in line the next day for, for something else mm -hmm. and this was one of those instances where i was out late came back or went home and showered came back and as i was crossing the street i see mr kevin feige getting his morning coffee in the, in the gas lamp no security, no fan for just him doing his morning routine and politely asked him for a photo. He obliged. And, uh, you know, it's one of, uh, whenever I need to pull nerd cred, I, I usually pull out this photo. And, uh, like, That's pretty cool. You got a picture yeah. with Feige? I do. I'm going to say, I'm going to hijack this story for a minute and say like one not included on my top five was a similar kind of thing, but it's with, uh, I didn't include it because it's not cool anymore to, to, to talk about, uh, Joss Whedon fanning out and stuff and so <laughs> but I had a similar experience where um I was just crossing the street and it, like in the you know in the giant mob of people they're all crossing the street at the same time and I happened to look to my right and just walking by himself with a backpack just is just Joss Whedon you know the director of the Avengers and stuff like granted this is before he was the director of the Avengers but to me he was the man who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer and and uh, had done a lot of other cool stuff uh, before Avengers. And uh, I looked at him and I don't ever like to just say the normal thing you would say. So I looked at him and I said, have you lost weight? 
And he looked back at me <laughs> and he was like in the mid in the middle of walking across the street. He looked back at me and said, God bless you. <laughs> and then when we got to the end of the, uh, the street corner, I remember that I just happened to have his run on Astonishing X-Men. And I asked him if he could sign them. And we took him out of my backpack and he signed all of my, my comics. I thought Comic-Cons, really it is different from other cons where it really is a celebration of the work and of the fans. So unlike smaller cons where talent is, I, I mean, they're all technically paid appearances by the studio or somehow, but usually at a smaller con, you get like an actor or a director or writer and they post up at a booth, you know, you pay 40 bucks, 50 bucks, take a photo, sign something. Yeah. And that's the interaction. I'm not saying they don't enjoy it, but there's definitely a monetary aspect of it. Whereas Comic-Con, there's really none of that there. Really, when you well, catch people in these... If, if you go to the Star Trek... Uh, the, there's the some of it there, but it's. I feel like you, it's a different vibe when you're asking for photos. Obviously, you want to be polite, but it's, you know... Them Star Trek people charge a pretty penny <laughs> for pictures. And I, hey, I'm not knocking them for that either. Get your Don't money, knock the guys. hustle. Don't Get knock your the money. Hustle. I'm just saying, like, it's always kind of surprising to me because... There's so many free opportunities, like mm -hmm. like the one you showed here, or you know even Joss Whedon, who used to be cool. There's people um, walking around everywhere, just giving yeah, the opportunity to come Yeah, center. exactly. What's up? What's the last one? My last one. It's so this is not a photo from the panel, but it's what it is: is the photo of Dave Filoni at a Comic Con panel. And I've told the story on the uh, on the We Have Spoken Our Mandalorian podcast before, mm -hmm. but. One panel, this was back in 2011, so pretty early on in the Clone Wars uh, shows or series. I actually didn't care about that show at all, but I was in that panel because I was sitting in for the next panel, which was Gears of War 3, which is a game I, I love. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, hey, Star Wars, I can, I can sit through it for an hour. Um, and this was kind of my first introduction to Dave Filoni. You know, he's, if you don't know what he looks like, he always wears a cowboy hat and that's kind of his motif. Mm -hmm. But at this panel, you know, he talks about the new series and the season. And of course they do a Q and A at the end. And this guy comes up to him and asks him this very specific question uh, about Ahsoka using uh, Kimbo or dual lightsabers. I forgot what the style is. Yeah, and how how would she have learned that if Anakin never learned that from his master or any of the masters he trained under? And Dave Filoni listened to the question, nodded, and sat there for a moment, you know, trying to think how to answer this canon question that he is now in charge of. And he literally just pulled out a pen and wrote on a notepad, "Anakin taught her this fighting style," and he shows it to the crowd. He goes, "I just made a canon, so she did it." <laughs> And everyone applauded, and it was probably one of the most funniest things that I've ever seen um, to see uh, a creator kind of take ownership of a, I guess, I don't know, a mistake or an oversight, but then kind of correct it in a funny way. Yeah, I mean, he's just, a, I think it's more not just about correcting, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's about, like, enjoy the content and, and, yeah. and stop, you know what I mean? Like, um uh, that's really cool. I, I really like that, that that one touched you so much. Like, I do have a weird story that's not technically Comic-Con related, <laughs> but, uh, related to this. Like, if you've ever seen, if you've never seen Battlestar Galactica, I mean, at this point, you're never going to watch it. But um, you know that it's a whole story, kind of yeah, like Terminator. Like story about and movies. Humans, and... humans made AI. AI became sentient, realized they were better than humans. 
and they, you know, they basically started a war with humans, right? And then this play takes place in the space where it's like one of the last remaining like uh, vessels ca carrying the human race on it because they just nuked the earth. They nuked the earth. And so like, then there's like these secret operatives that are like not, they're, they're, they're like the Cylons that are hiding among the humans. And you're like trying to figure out what the deal with them is and stuff. And like, and you're trying to figure out the mystery ones and all the stuff. And what ends up happening is like, if you get all the way to the end of the show, you find out that like angel and the angels are in the, in the story and God was responsible for everything. Right. And my favorite thing about that, I know this is a very divisive thing for a lot of fans who really like the sci-fi nature of the show, but right in the last episode, you introduce the concept of angels being among <laughs> them and God was responsible for everything, right? Not to say that God wasn't ever talked about. It just wasn't like, it just didn't, it just came out of kind of out of left field, right? And for me, I thought it was the greatest thing ever that, that the, the creator um, did this because he essentially gave himself Comic-Con armor, right? He never <laughs> has to explain any plot hole. It's all God's plan. Yeah, like he can do, basically he can drop the mic harder than Dave Filoni did and just say, God, like how do you explain in episode two, 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 you know, like God, like <laughs> angels, God. And it just cracked me up because like, that's really, that's really the fine line there for, for a lot of people is like, you either accept the things that, that are happening in your story that you're, you're a fan of, or you just go find something else. That yeah. You enjoy, you enjoy what you enjoy. You don't, yeah. there's definitely like a crowd there out there that, that likes to nitpick. And but what I like for the most part is Comic-Con is filled with, people who just want to enjoy people there are they're always the one or two in the that have the questions that it's like uh now dave filoni has to do this really like <laughs> it's i mean i get that it's funny it's a funny thing but you know that's kind of his way of saying no qa was. if you're ever planning a panel don't do qa yeah dude if if you're ever at a comic-con panel and they're like we're now we're opening it up for qa that is your chance to leave early and go get to the next panel without having to endure the humiliation and embarrassment of another human being. It's it's rough sometimes, man. Yeah, it's rough, you know. And then sometimes you have cute moments where a little kid comes up and asks if they can have a hug from Gal Gadot or something like that. And you know, you got to be like, "Oh, okay, can I have a hug too?" And then you're like, "No, you're you're gross. You're gross. You're gross." You know. So, um, but that's a good list. I like that. That was right. that was more down to earth than I expected, Ricky. You were expecting I, like Avengers announcement and stuff, or yeah, yeah. I know how much you love the commercials. IGN party. That was fun. I, okay, well, you just wait to call me out on mine. All right, you ready? You ready for my list? <laughs> Let's like do it. List. Okay, cool. I got five, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna preempt you by saying I kind of cheated. Um, I cheated. You got I honorable mentions. I forgot that uh, or when we do, we talked about doing this um, this little segment, I remembered that uh, a few years ago in 2020 when Comic-Con had to be officially canceled, but instead, like, you know, they did a virtual version because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I felt really bad. I felt like, wow, I lost this special thing that was really important to me every year. 
And so I kind of made my own like social media, like tribute of com of the things I love of Comic-Con. And it ended up being a list of five things. And I was like, oh crap, I already have a list of five things, you know? <laughs> um, I didn't realize that because I did one for every day of Comic-Con, you know what I mean? And that just so happened to be five days. And so what I did is I just looked through all those photos and I kind of reorganized them a bit um, to kind of encapsulate, you know, the things I love the most and then maybe highlight one specific. So here's your first one. Number five is the loot, right? Like, let's not lie. You go to conventions to get stuff. You want to go there and come away with something more than just the empty wallet you spent on the ticket, right? You want to mm -hmm. come away with an even emptier wallet. And so for me, I just love the freaking loot at Comic-Con so much. And I love the experience of getting special loot there that you can't get anywhere else. Obviously, that's peak capitalism. And, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for it, especially when it comes to Marvel stuff. And and I think, it, you know, if I had to pick the greatest piece of loot I've ever gotten, it's probably my Hasbro, like, Infinity Gauntlet, like, from the, the foam one mm -hmm. that I chose to be, like, kind of, like, my symbol every year afterwards. And I wear it on my chair. And people love it. And they love to fist bump it. They love to wear it. You know, like... It's just been with me ever since. It's a great thing, but I love just the experience of getting all that stuff. And then, yeah, I tacked on the other loot I love the most is that freaking spaghetti that we have every every time on the first day. You know, <laughs> those are those are like I can count on the spaghetti more than I can count on getting loot as good as the Infinity Gauntlet. So I yeah. feel like the loot's gone. I don't say downhill over the past years, but there definitely was a heyday where. They're just making it a little bit more accessible. And I get that, too. If you're a hardcore collector, it's pretty rough to pay the... the Comic Con the sucks if you don't live in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> you don't if, go. If, if you got to pay the secondary market prices for Comic-Con stuff uh, to, to complete your collection, I don't blame you for hating this stuff. So I, I get that they're, they're making it a little more generic-ish or a little less exclusive. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Next up. My next uh, favorite thing or favorite moments of Comic-Con. This is a generic one, but I did pick a single one in the middle. Um, I took the eye candy. And I, I, for me, that's the displays. That's the, that's the cosplay. And that's everything that you see. And you're just like, what the hell is that? You know? Um, and so it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of cool things. Like you said, inside and outside the convention you see just amazing things, you know what I mean? Like, like um, you might see the entire, you know, a, an entire group of cosplayers dressed as the Venture Brothers cast, or you might see like some weird giant bumblebee thing that's like 20 feet tall. Like, what was that thing? I don't even remember. Um, but I think for me, this picture in the middle uh, size, uh, sizes up like probably my favorite thing that I ever see at Comic-Con every, almost every year. Um, Hasbro does a few dioramas that are giant, like just massive dioramas of like pretty much, I don't know, featuring what, like a hundred characters usually all in a giant. Yeah, it's battle. like a big, almost like six by six diagram. Multi-floor, multiple floors to it, right? There's like underground levels that you can see from the sides, like, cause it's mm -hmm. a cross section, right? Of, of a basement or something like that. And for me, when I see this thing, like they do one for Transformers, they do one for uh, Marvel and sometimes they do one for G.I. Joe and Star Wars and stuff. But when I see these things, 
like I look at them and the wheels start turning and I'm like, yeah, how can I tell stories like this, you know? And so what's funny about this picture is I look at this picture and I was like, hey, that's the dentist that wanted to do toy photography for, for, for toy photography before he knew he wanted to do toy photography. Like you can see it on my face right there. Like it's pretty hilarious. Like it's just like I got to do this, man. And and I think that's cool because it's it's awe inspiring and it and and when you get that sense of awe from something, especially storytelling, and it motivates you to want to do it, how can that not be one of your favorite life moments ever? You know, so that's number two for, or number four for me. Number three, like Ricky was saying, the famous celebrity encounters and and like the parties that you go to, how can you not how can you not have it, some enjoyment out of those? Uh, you know, I I've, I've met. Mahershala Ali, I've met Dopinder from the Deadpool movies. I've met Simon Pegg, you know, like Camille Nanjiani, Joe Casada, Joss Whedon. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I think the two best moments I've ever had just randomly meeting people that I never planned to meet was literally on our way to Comic-Con one morning, like early morning, because we like to get there early. Uh, in the gas lamp district, we just ran into Nathan Fillion just on the street. He was coming back from getting, you can see he's carrying multiple cups of coffee. So clearly somebody is waiting for him to return with this coffee. And we just stopped this man and we're like, oh my God, I love you. And he's like, I know. And then I said, can we get a picture with you? And he said, I've been waiting my whole life for you to ask. And I know that's a line. I know it's a line, but it made us feel so good. And this guy was, he's a, he's a, he's a gem. I, I've, every time I've ever seen him like on a panel or in, in person, he has just been the sweetest human being ever. And so, um, for now, until he gets me too, I treasure this picture like more than most of them, uh, in my life. And then on the right hand side, I kind of gave this one a tie because, uh, there was one year in, um, I was at a party. Uh, a Comic-Con party, and um, I was way into Metal Gear Peace Walker that year, like really, or Peace, Peacemaker, is it? Peace Walker. Peace Walker, it is Peace Walker, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I was way into that game, like hardcore to the point where I carried a PSP with me around all the time, and I would just play that in the car or wherever, whenever I could wait somewhere, you know, like uh, if I was waiting in line at Comic-Con, i just play Peacemaker and stuff. So here I am at a party with our good friend Clark, and I know some of the other people there because I got in through my Sony connections. So there's other Sony employees there. And a friend of mine who, who was a coworker at the time, Will Powers, he wanted to introduce me because he works with me at work and he knows that at work on my breaks, I play Peace Walker all the time, right? So Will, like his, I guess he's been going around smoozing with people and he's met, uh, you know, he's hanging out with Jeff Rubenstein from PlayStation uh, blog. And Greg Miller, who was a writer over at, at a, a IGN at the time, and he's like, you got to meet my friend Dennis. He plays Peace Walker all the time. And he's like, really? Oh, man. I, I like, like, you know, Greg just starts asking me, like, all these questions. And I'm telling him, like, I beat all the things, you know, like, because there's all these secret quests you can go on. And, and I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. I started, I was drunk. And <laughs> he was talking about how how uh you know he like how good he is and i was like let's see and i just whipped out my psp and in like without missing a beat 
that dude whipped out his PSP also. And then my friend Clark whipped out his PSP. And then Jeff Rubenstein whipped out his PSP. And we proceeded to play Peace Walker at a full-on adult person party where everybody's drinking and dancing. We played that game for probably a good hour. And that was, I swear to God, one of the coolest things I ever did at Comic-Con. And what made it even cooler was the following week when, (laughs) when Greg Miller wrote an article about his favorite thing that he did at Comic-Con. And it was that moment. And that picture was, uh, was on IGN. And I was like, wow. So it wasn't just me. Okay, cool. I've, I met Greg Miller multiple times now, uh, but early in the down 12, 13 ish, I would meet him at PAX. I went to PAX for a minute every year. And uh, every time I met him, I would always introduce myself as, hey, I'm the cousin of that guy you played Peace Walker with. And without skipping a beat every time, he remembers your name. I don't bring up your name, but he remembers your name. And it's it just brings joy to my heart every time. So, yeah, Greg, I, if you're listening, we got to we got to do a reunion somehow. I just I just love that 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 moment was just as special for him as it was for me, you know, and and. And so ever since then, I can, without missing a beat, like I said, like if I see him, I get an instant hug, you know, like you just want, <laughs> it's, it's, we're just the Miller brothers, you know, and that's what we do. And so um, it's great. It's a great moment. And it, it is easily one of my greatest uh, Comic-Con moments as well. So it's not just Greg's, uh, but I think Greg made it mine. So, uh, all right, next up, I got, uh, wait, did we skip? No, we just skipped. There, there it is. The panels. All right. Like, I, I thought you were going to talk about a lot of panels. I really did. Um, I've been to a ton of them. Over the years, I may have gotten a little jaded. I don't like as many of the ones that are just Hollywood people coming to sell you a thing because it's just a giant commercial, and I don't like being – I don't like paying for commercials. That said, I have seen some really cool commercials, like a lot of cool ones. Uh, Sam Raimi, like I mentioned earlier, bringing – footage from spider-man the first ever spider-man movie ever that was nuts dude like that wasn't even hall h that was like ballroom 20 at the time i think um and it was a crazy scene it was crazy uh i've seen i saw the cast of the walking dead before they were the most famous thing ever (laughs) you know like in the planet uh and they were just really cool group of people and that was a weird one because like the guy who played rick we learned that he actually like he has like this weird phobia of watching himself perform so every time they would play footage on the screen, he would actually be told and then he'd get up and walk away and go outside because he couldn't, he just couldn't, he couldn't see himself playing a character. Like, it, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I was like, hazard. I know, right? That's, that is an <laughs> occupational hazard. Um, you know, I saw Kevin Conroy be best friends with Mark Hamill. I grew up my whole life thinking that Mark Hamill has to be best friends with the cast of Star Wars, right? Because that's the only thing he ever did in his career. But then it was way later in my life that I learned, oh, wait, no. He actually has been the Joker with Kevin Conroy, rest in peace, for the majority of his acting career. And when we got to see them on stage talking about one of the Arkham games, these guys were like, they were like Bert and Ernie, man. Well, They're those free- are the moments that make it, right? Because, again, you're, like you said, everyone's there to sell you the thing. But I think when you get the genuine moments in between, I, those are the memorable ones for me. Like, yeah. you know, 
like the one I can recall is uh, the Kingsman, the second Kingsman movie, with a very uh, a younger Pedro Pascal, Holly Berry, Channing Tatum on the panel, and they had a bottle of bourbon they brought out. And uh, long story short, it ended up with Holly Berry drinking a pint, a wow. pint of bourbon on stage at the beginning of the panel. And hilarity ensued throughout. But these little actual interactions that make them, you know, they're celebrities, people. right? They're, they're, they, make they make them people, them people right? and relatable and likable. Um, yeah. That you, there's just not something you could script when you're trying to sell something. You, you can really totally sure. enjoy the work they're doing and they enjoy the company that they're with. And they're uh, surrounded by people that appreciate them for the work they do. And that's like, I got, I just got to, you know, segue that for a second. Like, there are so many jobs on this planet, right? And there's a lot of them that are, that are in some way in a form of service to someone else. And like, the sad thing is so many of those jobs go thankless, right? They never get to know how appreciated their work was. Like, or, you know, they just get a paycheck and, and that's it. And what I think is the coolest thing ever is that these people who create art for us get a moment to actually sit in front of the people who value them the most and make them feel appreciated. You know what I mean? Cause like some of these people don't feel appreciated often because they don't get that kind of validation. And so some of them have severe mental, you know, anxieties and depression and things like that. And so like, it's so cool to see how this impacts people and, and, and how, and let them see how they impact us. You know, I think that's a fabulous thing. And that's why, like, the number one one that I ever saw was the moment that they brought out the entire cast of the Avengers to show us that it was happening. Um, that takes the cake, man, because they finally said, we know what you want. We know what you've always wanted. You know, you want team ups. That's that's what comic books are. It's not about watching, reading issue number one and being like, well, I'm done. That was good. No, it's about. The infinity the toys playing together yes exactly and so to have this be the first ever instance of the toys playing together promise it wasn't even the thing it was just here is our promise to you these toys are going to play together that was the craziest thing i've ever heard and seen it was amazing um yeah the other good one that i almost you know i, I had to fight with was the cast of Steven Universe did a, a live concert for their fans. And, you know, that's that's a really cool thing to to want to show your appreciation by performing off work. You know, I mean, yeah, they're still getting paid for it, but it's not like their normal job. You know, like it's like the time that, that Michael Rooker decided to go into full makeup to come out on stage. As <laughs> Yondu. That is no joke. The guy gets up early to be Yondu. You know what I mean? Like. He did that just to be with the fans. And I think that's super cool. That's just really awesome. And so for me, the only thing that tops all of these is just, oops, why does it say number three? I meant to change that to number one. I screwed up the slide, guys. Cancel the show. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It's number three. Number, number yeah, one is being with my people. It's, it's, um, that's, that's what it all comes down to. Like all of this stuff. Yes, is really great to experience solo, but I think the coolest thing about being solo there or with people that want to be there too is 
you're surrounded by so many people that all are nerds just like you and just like me you know what i mean and that is super cool and you just end up making connections through it you know what i mean like there's another picture there with me and greg years after the original meeting you know like i have multiple pictures of greg because that's we are now comic-con friends you know what i mean like uh i have people at the aspen booth that was created by you know michael turner they are just my friends and they draw amazing art for me because they know me and they and they get to see me once a year you know like i run into people like our good friend Nas, like, look, there's a picture of him with his child as a baby on him. You know what I mean? Like, I that's, love Nas. <laughs> that's Nas. That's see, like, that's I think I've just been running into Nas before we were ever even friends at Comic-Con. You know, like it's it's um, you just you're it, when you know that you, you have people that go to Comic-Con like and you, you can count on seeing them. It just makes it feel that much specialer, you know? Well, like, I'm glad I made the cut in these photos. Wait, are you in these photos? <laughs> no. <laughs> I tried to make sure you weren't. No. Um, yeah, like I said, I made this I made this in uh, uh, 2020 for, you know, celebrating the, the missing year. And uh, whatever pictures I had in that in those slides, they're just what I gave you right now. So you got to deal with it. Um, yeah, but you are elusive. You are kind of a ghost and you don't show up in a lot of my photos actually. So, uh, but I do see you every year and I know you're there and it's, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, honestly, it's probably just, I'm a little envious that you still get to do it solo. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've, uh, got my partner every past couple of years, but I, we limit it for days partially because yeah. of scheduling, but it's. It's, it is so much easier. Like, I, I don't know it's if I could so ever commit to, like, like even in Hall H when I'm with Clark and we're waiting online, you know, um, there are panels where we go where we're not sitting together because we're kind of leapfrogging ahead to try to get a closer seat. Yeah. Um, it's just the name of the game, man. Like, it's a, it's a solo man's con at the end of the day. If you're comfortable being a loner, you can get so much further at, at that convention. You can do way more things like yeah yeah our good friend frank you know um from the show as well uh he you know i knew that he always went to comic-con all the time and so there was one year that i just invited him to come with us uh because i just wanted to hang out with him at comic-con and so i decided to make it into an event i was like what if we did drunk comic-con for the day right like it's my <laughs> This is my first time ever doing drunk. I did Comic Con sober for so many years, Trump, and Trump, uh, Trump. and uh, so he's like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." So we each brought some sort. We were each responsible for bringing our own alcohol to conceal and drink all day at Comic Con, uh, so that we could keep it going. And so we started by drink like doing Jaeger shots before we got in the car at eight in the morning, and then next thing you know, like we each had our own thing, right? I brought a water bottle that was just filled with pure vodka that was a terrible idea <laughs> um i every conversation i had with people my breath just smelled like hot vodka but the funniest thing about it is you know frank went with us he did drunk comic-con we all were drinking having a blast in the car soon as we got there we hung out for a little bit and then like drunk frank so just started meeting girls in line 
and having full on conversations with them. And then next thing you know, like, he's like, I'll see you later. And when that guy became a lone wolf on that, on that floor, I never saw him again, man. And we, were his, <laughs> we were his ride. We were his ride. And he didn't come back. Like, it was amazing. He, he's just, yeah, he just showed me what I, for, I had forgotten, which was Comic-Con by yourself is, is a pretty magical thing. I don't have the same shared Comic-Con experience as Frank in terms of myself, stuff, but you can buy a lot more things uh, or go see a lot more things when you're It's solo. all good. No judgment. No judgment how you choose to spend that time. I'm just saying um, it's you can do a lot of really – if you're open to it, you can do all kinds of weird stuff at Comic-Con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. I, um, I, that was not me putting like an upside down pineapple out on our show, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> that's not what I'm doing here. Uh, I think the honorable mention could be the wired party or the wired lounge that you introduced me to. That place was amazing. That's Rest in funny. peace. Um, that's just free booze at any time you wanted to go get free booze. Yeah. They needless to say drunk comic con is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I highly endorse that. I'm excited for next week. <laughs> but as we wrap up our pre-Comic-Con talk, let's uh, let's take it over to the little bit of news that we got. So, remember two, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Miss Marvel died? In the comments, uh, yeah, sure. She's coming back, Miss Marvel, the new mutant. Um, this that's what I don't think would be news, news, even though we are a comic book show based on Marvel. <laughs> um, but Miss Marvel's coming back, she's gonna be an X Men and a mutant. Uh, she has a new cool kind of uh X Men costume, but more how, importantly, how is she a mutant now? Well, if you gotta buy the comic to find out, fine, um, whatever, but more importantly. This new run of Miss Marvel is going to be written by Iman Bellani, uh, who uh, plays Miss Marvel on the Disney Plus and soon to be in the Marvel. Wow, movie. that's really cool. So it is cool. She went from Miss Marvel cosplayer to the Miss Marvel actress to now the Miss Marvel writer. Um, so if that's not love, then I don't know what is. Dude, that's super cool because, like, now that means that you're the. The fantasy is complete, right? Like she is dictating her own future. <laughs> yes, she's dictating her own future, but she's also saying that I know Miss Marvel better than anybody, and I will gladly, if you give me the opportunity, I will gladly show you for as and long they gave as you her the keys. Me. They gave her the keys to the character. That's nuts, dude. They never even let Robert Downey Jr. write Iron Man comics. In I don't know how already they did write. They did let uh, John Favreau though. Really? Yeah. I don't know who's the, who's the last actor that got to write stuff. It was uh, Paul Dano. He wrote the Riddler's prequel for the Batman. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that was a, a recent one. It actually happens a lot, but like for some reason, this just really excites me for her <laughs> because Miss Marvel is a character still very young in her in her in her career or time in comics, and so. There's a lot of room 
to grow the character. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing that Iman Bulani is actually doing this. That's a good piece of story. That's, <laughs> I like that. Good piece of news. Well, next piece of news, you touched on the beginning. Um, we got a writer strike and an actor strike. In. Yeah, an actor strike as of two actor days strike, ago. Now, too. Uh, first time it's happened in 60 years or since the 60s. Yeah. Um, but as a result, um, you know, they can't make any uh, appearances at Comic-Con on behalf of the studio. So quite a few things have gotten canceled. I think the biggest hit is probably going to be there was going to be a Dune 2 panel. That's uh, no more. The boys uh, Gen V one got canceled, and then there was a, a Sesame Street uh, panel that got canceled as well. Um, but uh, about a half dozen or so, uh, or actually about a dozen panels canceled so far. More are probably going to be expected. But uh, what can you do? You know, it is the nature of the game. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I, I'm not going to be a guy that's mad at at these people trying to protect their their you know economic futures and and <laughs> and. Uh, you know, there's much bigger things at play here. It's unfortunate, uh, or they still can come as guests. They they can come as guests. That is absolutely true. People can come. They just cannot be promoting anything. So like Correct. you might not, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of them there just for fun, but like you know, you're not going to get a lot of the panels that we just talked about, right? You're not correct. Gonna, yeah, you're not going to get the big not, spectacle or yeah, yeah. That said, I highly encourage you to check out like the the sketch drawing uh, live shows that they the live panels they do because they're not part of SAG and they'll definitely be there performing <laughs> for your for your entertainment. You know, it's really yeah. Go check out the, the 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 stuff not in a ballroom or a hall H. Those yeah. are, you find some find some good yeah. stuff in there. I'm actually okay with that. You know, and then um, to keep the Comic Con talk rolling, uh, a, a brand new uh, Hasbro. They're calling it a Comic Con exclusive. I feel like this is shady. They've been doing this for two years now. Uh, when they they don't sell them at Comic Con, they just give out the QR code so they can buy go on their thing. website and buy it and get it in like October in the mail. Is that what and this I'm is? Like, That's what this is. This is the Comic Con exclusive Marvel Legend two pack. It's Deadpool and Hydra Bob. And but they said it's not going to be there. Like they've already. Confirmed. Not going to be there. Just okay. the QR code. Same goes for the GI Joe exclusive, which is really cool if you like GI Joe. Um, but the cool thing here, I mean, obviously we've both gotten a Deadpool and, or I mean, we've like not both collectors have gotten a Deadpool and they've gotten a Hydra Bob in the past, uh, but they have never gotten Deadpool on the Beautiful new Spider-Man and Daredevil toe articulation. Toe freaks. With these crazy ab crunch and all this stuff. And on top of that, the most accessories ever in a two-pack. I love all of the freaking expressive hands that come for this Deadpool. So you can finally do all the weird little gestures he does that break the fourth wall when you're just having him look at you and say, I love you. <laughs> he does no i just really love this box set i think it's super cool um so cool set. With, it is, is, cool is set. hydra bob on the the toe body too Nah, he's just on an old school hydra soldier body that's way outdated and then if the accessories weren't enough there's the interior of his briefcase it's a molded plastic thing that has like uh it's got like the wand of watum it's got a banana it's got car keys 
and it's got the freaking it's got a thermos that says Bob on it. And I just think <laughs> that's a really nicely uh, decoed piece of uh, plastic. It's really cool. So I think it's a really cool convention exclusive because it's not too exclusive in that like. No. You want it, you'll get it. How yeah, if you want it, you're gonna get that. But I don't think there's that many people that don't already have a Deadpool and a and a and a, and a Hydra Bob that are being gonna be like, I need this thing, you know. So that said, uh, you know, on a lower scale, um, Walmart likes to horn in on on the events of Collectors Con, and so about three times a year they have this thing called Collector Con, where they just gather up all their exclusives for from all the different companies. And they just tell you, you should come to our website and buy these things. And so most of the time, they're they're okay. Um, sometimes there's there's a sweet one, but um, we have three of them coming up next week uh, for Marvel Legends. Three's a lot, guys. Calm down, calm down a little bit. Uh, the 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 most recent one unveiled uh, yesterday, I think, or um, or two days ago, was they are repackaging the six arm Spider Man and Morbius. And saying you want this right, and I would normally say, you know what? No, I don't want that. But they actually fixed the Spider-Man and gave him an ab crunch that the old toy didn't have. And now I'm like, damn it, damn it. I'll take the Spider-Man. You know, he'll look at my desk. He's a pretty cool Spider-Man. Spider he's got an ab crunch, and he's got six fully articulated arms. He only comes with two different pairs of hands. And the Morbius is a very good classic Morbius. So, like, if you didn't have Morbius before, this is a cool Spider-Man. What's up? Is that a cloth cape? He comes with a no. It's a it's a oh it's a it's swappable cape, capes. But you can swap it to be his little spread out cape. Yeah. Um. So it's all right. And then as a reminder, there's the other two things that are going to be available at CollectorCon are the brand new Bucky Cap figure on the new on the new body. Uh, that's been used on the Vulcan and a few other characters. It's a great body. It's, it's the best generic male superhero body they've ever made. Uh, and it's a cool suit, you know, unless you know that it's direct designed America. by Alex Ross. Nah, it's designed by Alex Ross. That's why I don't like it. I like, it. I like Alex Ross. Um, and then also, Joe Fixit, the Incredible Hulk. Um, first time ever uh, technically in the Marvel Legends line as a comic book figure. Uh, they have made a figure very similar to it for the Avengers video game, but uh, the hands are smaller and the head is way grosser looking. So it's the same uh, body. I think it's the same body. I could be wrong, but it's a good body, though. It's a really good body. So uh, and then, yeah, most recently outside of CollectorCon, uh, some leaks just finally came out of uh, Turkey. Um, Sergio, the collector uh, posted the final figure in the new Disney Plus. What, yeah, that's uh, kind of out of left uh, field line. It's a little bit out of left field. It's kind of a spoiler. It's telling us what's going to happen in an episode of What If later this year. Uh, Bill Foster, the Goliath, is going to be a character in an episode, and so he gets a figure. Um, that was He was played by Lawrence Fishburne in Ant-Man 2. Um, and in fairness, that movie sucked. So let's <laughs> let's give let's give Lawrence another chance at at, at the end. Yeah, if you, you got know. Lawrence Fishburne on retainer, you're gonna use him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see the Goliath story. It's it's probably like, what if Ant Man wasn't Ant Man? You know, like it's fine. I'm cool with it. Let's do it. And then finally, just showing off the build a figure on the right is um, 
the re the new version of uh, Hydra Stomper, which I guess also spoilers because they're kind of showing you a modernized version of the the mech suit that's piloted by Steve Rogers. And as a reminder, at the end of one of the episodes last season, they did show him coming into the future, right? So, um, what is the over under that we get? What if by this time next year? Is it not coming out this year anymore? Did it get pushed? The only two things on this on the list for this year are X Men ninety seven, Echo, and uh, Loki. Okay, so. I think we'll have it by this time next year. Okay. I think I think it's a good summer show. That, show, that one in Spider-Man just kind of slipped away from everybody's. I think they showed What If at Comic-Con last year. They Dude. had their own panel. Well, because they had that episode that didn't get to ma to finish right there. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. For last, it was for the first season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, all I know is I miss this show. It's super cool, and it's way better than the show we had to watch this week. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just take this right into it. Let's do yeah. it. Here we are. I'm not that mad. I just wanted to. <laughs> I wasn't getting into Secret Invasion. I wanted to get you a good segue, and that's what I was giving you. Um yeah, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion episode four that aired this bit. week. It was the shortest episode that we got. It felt short. It felt like short. 30 minutes. Yeah. What What do you think about this episode, right? Like, you want to recap it really quick for everybody? Um, The plan starts coming together for Gravik, and he launches his attack on the U.S. government to hopefully spark retaliation by the rest of the world. That, I mean, and, that's that's like that's the yeah. dumb background. Nick, story Nick Fury does Nick that, Fury things. Yeah, the main the main story it starts with uh, Nick Fury uh, meeting with his, or you know, we're we're learning about the relationship with his wife, right? Because mm -hmm. I think last week we were, we found out he had a wife, and now we're just like, how does that work, you know? And so now we get to learn more about the wife and like. Uh, you know how they met and, and stuff, and and so uh, well, it let's, just becomes... let's let's take uh, let's talk about the good things. I want I want to hear the good for for we start dunking. Are you start dunking on this? I I like the idea of learning more about Nick Fury. Okay, that's on my I, plus too. I don't necessarily like that it doesn't it doesn't somehow it, it he's like Teflon and. It doesn't seem to add anything to his character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he had really one chance to make me feel for the death of Maria Hill, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. And I don't think he did that. It, like, in fact, it made me feel like he still felt like he needed to be on the job. And and so, like, maybe, maybe that could save this show for me. Maybe if at the end of all of this, the loss of Maria, the loss of... Um, spoilers, uh, spoiler warning right now, the loss of Talos, the loss of, you know, potentially more people that are super important to him. I want to see him have a moment to himself where he feels these things, because as long as he's not feeling the things, I'm not allowed to feel the things. And if I'm not allowed to feel while I'm watching the show, then I don't, then I'm kind of bored. I think, I think you're going to get that moment. 
Uh, I really hope I do, but I don't like to hype myself into expectation mode. To rewind a little bit, the I still think the character moments that we're getting in this show and even in this episode are some of the best things that we've gotten in the MCU so far. The individual moments, if you slice them out, I think I they were. I I don't I didn't feel very many from this episode. I guess I I kind of like the scene with his wife, like when they shot at each other. His wife. I wanted to love it, but again, I never really get emotion out of Nick. You know, I'm I'm with you there. There's still this weird lack of cohesion with those moments connecting with each other, and then with Nick and and him showing other emotions aside from cool spy, you know. And I think we're getting there. You know, there's a moment when he's listening in on the conversation with his wife and Rhodey where he is uncomfortable with that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But he's always doing the job at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. I I would love to see the, the super spy armor removed for at least a moment in the show. I I do think they're building towards that. Um, I, I think age of Ultron was the greatest thing ever for Hawkeye as a character because it allowed people to stop harping on Hawkeye and, and always be like, why is he an Avenger? And then for the first time ever, we got to really see him as a person, right? And and that that family of his became an anchor for the emotional uh, impact of Thanos' blip, right? At the beginning of Endgame, you mm-hmm. see a truly painful moment that just recontextualizes you like or reminds people who left the theaters a year ago shit that was rough and then when they get back in theaters oh man hawkeye has in his family i forgot about the family and it hurts so much right and it makes you endeared to hawkeye i don't have any of that for nick fury because he didn't cry when phil colston <laughs> died and he didn't cry he's just that good iron man job. died he didn't cry at the funeral. <laughs> he just he's got to keep up appearances. I don't even know. Yeah, it might have been Talos, or you know what I mean. Like who knows? But it's it's it's. I get that he always feels that he has to be on, like as you know. But like, it just feels like a slight waste of Samuel Jackson. That's what you know what I mean. Because I know yeah. Jackson can go emotional, and I've been waiting for him to not. Just not be cool for one moment. And I'm just getting a little tired of him being cool all the time. Yeah, like I again the scene where they're in the kitchen together, talking he's talking with his wife and cool scene. And they explain the you know how she is playing his wife technically, right? Like that's kind of the whole context that he she's just chose to disguise herself as yeah. Um his wife and you know swear protect him and you know they ended up loving each other and she asked him like would you still love me if I didn't look like this and he I think you could have gotten a really good moment out of there but he does the cool guy answer I guess we'll never know and I know the cool damn guy it, Nick, like I'm just getting so tired I need you to be guy. I need a I need drop drop the machismo shall we shed a tear for me man yeah it just it just feels show me Oscar award winning Samuel Jackson. I, I, I want to believe with you, Ricky. I want to believe that it's going to happen, but I just, I'm not sure. You know what but I mean? To, so, the, to the flip side, though, I, I really like to see with Rhodey again. Um, it was now we have, we have new context. Obviously, Rhodey's a, a scroll, right? A Let's scroll see. woman, by the way. A scroll woman. Um, I love that. 
but to kind of see Nick Fury, for lack of a better phrase, play with this food, you know, was was neat because you know at this point he knows, right? And and yeah. the scrolls kind of still oblivious, almost hubris, right? Or uh, lost in the hubris. Um, and there's that line where he's like, you know, is this poison? He's like, no, it's just you know, nano tracker, and they they joke over it. But sure enough, it's it is a liquid nano tracker, right? And like that's the cool spy shit I want to see from from Nick Fury. I want to see. Yeah. Show me the James Bond gadget. Show me the little gizmos that he has up his sleeve. You know that if you're gonna go spy spy Fury, I think that's the angle I want the show to finish out on. Right? Is is yeah. Is yeah. Let me see all the toys. Let me see all the cool stuff and, that he has. And I will say this though, like the, all of that is very true to Nick Fury as a character. And in fairness, Nick Fury as a character was written so long ago that he was written to be the, the, the macho man, right? That was in charge of this in secret organization that protects the world all at all times, right? And so he was just this badass character in the comics. And I think, I think maybe I just, because it's Samuel Jackson, I want him to go beyond what the comic book character is and do something more with it. And, 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 and I guess technically if you're a diehard fan that likes to see your comics, like, you know, put on screen, uh, well, if you're racist, you won't like Nick Fury. Uh, <laughs> but if you're not racist, you are getting Nick Fury. You are getting what he is. But like, I think that's the reason I don't normally read Nick Fury well, comics is because he's, he's that, he is that. Me, he is. When they did, they launched the ultimate Nick Fury, right? It, it was Samuel Jackson in the comics. Like it was specifically yeah. drawn to look like him. And you got the the Samuel Jackson of that time, you know, the bad the badass motherfucker Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And as an actor, I think he's evolved past that point in his career, you know, leaps and bounds. And I don't know about well, in his career, I mean he's he's way beyond that. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah. I think the character Nick Fury that he is based off of is kind of stuck in that era right a little yeah bit. and that's it's it's dating him exactly yeah. um so i want to see them evolve past that and i again i i really do have hope because the, again the character moments in the show are so good um yeah. love love him or hate him like chris hemsworth thor has evolved significantly <laughs> since we met them you know like uh, even even if you if you like Agents of Shield, whoo, the ride they took Agent Coulson on, man, it's nuts. Um, and I just feel like Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who was by the way a special guest star in this episode, <laughs> because they reshowed the clip oh, of her dying. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. showed it on the screen, right? Yeah, yeah. She's been credited at for almost every episode just because they keep finding a way to show you her diet. And you got she got to get paid. Oh, so funny. But um, yeah, when when uh, I feel like those are the two characters that have not really had th these moments of growth and I wanted to see them. That's what that was genuinely what I was excited for. Even even Everett Ross got more character growth in Black Panther 2 when you find out that he comes home to Valentina De, De Fontaine or whatever, like, right, that's his wife. He like or it's his ex-wife. I can't I couldn't tell for sure. But in any case, all of these shield people have gotten more lives than Nick Fury and Maria Hill 
have ever had. And I feel like this show's trying to do this heavy lifting of dumping a whole life on him that you didn't know about. But he's it's still a lot, playing, it's a lot at once. He's yeah. still playing cool guy. And mm -hmm. it's just eh. well, well, let's let's pivot towards the end because we kind of covered the, the beginning middle. The Gravik and his team kind of launches their attack on, on the president. We get a we get a fight. We see Gravik uses his uh, powers for the first time. Nick Fury, Talos come and save the, the day. Second and, time. He yeah, for second time. That's the episode. Um, but Talos and Nick Fury save the president. Um, Talos dies. But in terms, I guess, of that that whole scene, where where are we at? Were we loving it? Were we hating it? In between, did it mean anything? I wanted it to mean something, but everything, see everything we just discussed, like it almost <laughs> meant something, but it's just, it's, it's as much good acting as Ben Mendelsohn has been giving us these past few years as Talos. He's always, he's always serving it. He's always serving it so good, but like, I don't feel like Nick Fury's there to, to finish the layup. You know what I mean? I feel like he's always just trying to operate on some different wavelength and, and like, like he's too cool for his best friend sometimes, you know what I mean? And that's, and so like the fact that he like looked over at his friend's dead body and had to think about like, I got to leave it here. Right. I got to go. Like, he's like, yeah, I got to go. That's like supposed to be his best friend. Right. And so. That seems but, such a bummer because like, while Talos is saving the president, you know, hopefully right. this would enact his plan of like showing them that hey, we're good guys. Well, it still technically passed, does. Yeah. Well, the president's passed out through that whole scene. That's true. That's true. And um, I think that was very intentional, right? Because these there's no. But no that one know. soldier saw it, and that one mm -hmm. soldier's gonna, you know, it's cool. It's cool. But I, I, I like Talos more in that scene for sure than I did Nick Fury. My hope out of this scene is it. It elicits a a response. That's what I'm saying. I like this. You have your one chance, and it's next week, right? And this Finally. this is my beef with Iron Man three when they kidnap the president and string him up on the docks. That's not a fight that just Iron Man goes to. Obviously, he he was the only one that did in War Machine, but at that point in time, you had a Captain America hanging around with Shield. I would assume that at least a Captain America would go save the U.S. president in that context. Um, um, so yeah, in this so. in this redo, where the president is attacked with a you know he's safe with Fury, I hope that brings the cavalry. You know, uh, right? see now you're setting even higher expectations. I, I'm I'm I want one. Just it brought the cavalry a whole group of of of. of uh, soldiers showed up a mi minutes later. No, give me, give it's me one, one super Where were those guys when he got captured in Iron Man three? <laughs> right. Give me one super suit person, super superhero person. Uh, he's so you're so demanding of your fandom. Just one. You're so you, demanding. Am I? Am I, Is that a high demand though? Right. Yeah. You, you take yeah, the president and no superheroes go and help. It's a high demand. That's hey. like a. We're and gonna open any comic book in the sixties. President's kidnapped. We got to go save him. We're gonna we're gonna pivot this to something relatable or related. Um, last week we were having this funny conversation about uh, Gaia and her death that meant nothing, and and you were like, I don't think she's done. I think 
the character in the basement's gonna wake up and we're gonna find out <laughs> she's somebody special and it's gonna be it, yeah i just think that the actress is too big she's not gone and i was like okay you're not wrong that the actress is too big but uh probably occam's razor the simplest answer is the most likely and i said she's probably just not dead <laughs> <laughs> and I did love that that's how the episode was it the first scene or the second like scene of first the first 20 seconds they waste yeah. zero time of like just her getting up and I'm be like ah that's pretty funny that's all she um, does she just gets up and then you she don't just see her gets up, dude. she just gets up and you, you see that she has the extremists inside of her and that's why and that's like ah clever girl you've got plant stuff in you too um, yeah but I thought that was funny because Sometimes you just overhype the expectations in your head, and I think I mean I, think, I got I got the point right. I got her. We got her back. That's all I needed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm saying I will stand by my commitment with one super person, <laughs> unseen super or unseen in the show super person. Do I think a super person is going to show up by the end of the show? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen next week? I don't think so. Not yet. Yeah. I don't think the president warrants that for some reason. I think I think if anything, you should look at it the other way around. If it's not a bug in the system, it's a design. They have now established a precedent that when the president gets kidnapped, we just send like Iron Man, maybe at best, like at best, you know, like it's yeah, I'm just saying whoever's on the job already is the guy they'll send. I'll so, take a leapfrog. Nick Fury. Wait, well, who's who's in Europe right now? Um not not uh batrock the leaper that's for uh, sure black knight give me black knight that's funny, Would that I, be funny you know what? if this is how they bring him out I'll, I'll allow it i'll allow it that's kind of funny uh, that gives an end to nick fury introducing black knight to the avengers you got the game of thrones connection there I'll right take it. That's a that's a home run if you get that one right next week <laughs> let's bring bring bingo back from the last <laughs> i want to so that I want it so bad. If they put Kit and uh, Kit Harrington with Amelia Clark again, that's super funny um, and dumb at the same time. Like it, it's, it can be both. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about that. What I did think about was uh, that Gaia now. What is her her role in this story going forward? Now that her father's dead, right after she had that long talk where her dad's like. Oh yeah, I've got this really optimistic, altruistic plan to like show pe the people of Earth that we are good, and then they will accept us. And she's like, "You're she's crazy, like, nah, yeah, you're crazy," you know, like. And so uh, now that, but th she's also in a position where her father was, excuse me, all she had left, right? Like he, she's now been outed as being the spy, um, the mole among uh, Gravik's people. So she has nowhere to turn. Like, like the only person she can be like with is Talos, her dad, or I guess by the transitive property now Nick Fury, right? Because she knows Nick Fury is the only person that her father trusted. So she kind of has to trust Nick Fury, right? So, but like that got me thinking, is she, is she going to be Abigail Brand? Like, is she going to take on the role of, the, the commander of the space station and assume a human personality of Abigail brand, you know, so that she can do this or, or are they just, she, or am I overthinking it? can we, can we get a little 
le- leaky and spoilery or, or no should i mean you're saying she's going to be in more projects past this right that's what you're going to say there no there was a, a behind scenes set photo with her wig and what was labeled her wig had a, a notable name on it that wasn't abigail really mm-hmm. well you can say it go for it i can't remember it now it was uh <laughs> scroll scroll queen oh Varenki. sure interesting um that doesn't make sense but i don't okay. know if that makes it makes a difference but no i mean if we're talking that on the same note um coming out of this episode i was like why did gravic like attack as gravic no you what you mean to say which is not the pc thing to say is why did a black man pretend to be a russian in russia I wasn't like, gonna take it there, but like if I if if I was going the to amount, the amount of black Russians they've seen or black people they've seen in Russia in the span of this show is like more than the last fifteen years, probably. Like that's. But I, on, on even just a more basic note, like if I was gonna commit a crime, and I could shape shift, and I had like this one alias that I kind of liked. When I was doing the crime, I would probably switch it up for the couple hours. Yeah, yeah, I know. Regardless of the yeah. the the race didn't line up for the crime that I was trying to commit or or, or a false flag into. Yeah, I'm just saying weird. you're not doing a good job of making yourself unforgettable if you show up in Russia as a black man. <laughs> like that's your you're now. To be fair, they they really do make it a argument. point about referring to fury as like a tall black man in europe yeah because well in russia because in russia yeah yeah because that's not that's not normal that's what i'm saying like it's not i'm not being racist they're the racists like that's the i'm saying the russians you know like um and now i got hacked damn it i just got hacked guys uh crap oh well um, but yeah, no, I, that, I agree with you. It's just a weird, it was a weird choice. And then I'm still trying to wrap my brain around like how it works that he has Groot powers inside of himself. Like, cause that's just, that's not Groot powers. That's just what Groot is. So he just turns in the wood. So is he just a wood guy now? Like it's, well, like, he's a wood, he's part wood guy. <laughs> but then, but like when Groot uses his arms, they fall off and then he grows new ones. This guy's turned back into. Is that because he's a scroll? Like, I guess. Oh, sure. comic books. I don't. I mean, this the super scroll is kind of dumb. I think. I. I mean, this super scroll is the ghetto <laughs> super scroll compared to like <laughs> the one we have in the comics. I'm just saying. The like, great value super scroll. Like, what are his? Let's just recap what the powers are. So he's Frost got a, East. He's got extremists, mm-hmm. which we know that's healing and like. You could blow yourself up, I guess. Yep. Right? Yeah. Really painful, though. Uh, not, Groot. Ne- not necessarily getting back together. You got Groot, which is just you just keep growing He's and falling just off. A tree. Yeah. You just keep molting, basically. You just yep. molt. You molt you however you want. Cold Obsidian, uh, which. I guess you're just beefy and your arms are cut offable. <laughs> durable, right? He was, he was pretty scaly. Except for when his arm gets cut off. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then you're and, you're frost beast. You're strong. But the, that's the, the the other one. The other one was strong. 
Well, it's a frost beast. What do the frost beast do? I don't freaking know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, this is like the most, like, if you had to ask somebody, what is, what are like the top four superpowers you could have? They're not going to be like, well, I want to turn into a tree. I want to explode myself and heal. That's that counts as one. Would and I guess the other two answers would be strong and strong. Like, well, let know. me let, let me ask you this: uh, the last Disney Plus show we had was She Hulk, right? Yes. Some kind of a unfinished plot thread in that show was her blood. Um, someone out there wants her blood and has her blood. Would it have been a better replacement for a Frost Beast if she was he, he was part? No, Hulk in some way. No, because it's dumb because they, they're green anyway, so we wouldn't even be able to tell when they're poking <laughs> out. You know what I mean? There's like already a different green. shade of green. Whatever. That's no, racist. I'm just saying super strength is just so generic that I don't think you need three doses of it. You know what I mean? Like you, you can have let's let's get I wish we would have gotten more creative with, with the, the stuff that we have Me out too. there. Yeah. Like it would have been it would have been I feel like this is like Agents of Shield level of, of, <laughs> of, uh, of, of mining from what what's available. You know what I mean? Like this is definitely. The I I almost like I I, man, I think I Mandela affected a a a an episode of Shield in my head where they actually have to go and catch that stupid ice beast because nobody else did, and they're like, we can use that, right? You're probably not wrong, but that didn't actually happen. They did do a lamer episode where they had to go to London the same for the same reasons. They had to go there and clean up the debris that Thor left uh, from that that battle. You know that weird reality shifting battle where this spaceship crash landed in the uh, in like the main the the harbor or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Agents of Shield had to go clean that up. Like, and I'm like, ooh, this is a dumb episode. Like, it's a like it would have been better if there was that ice beast. You know. But I'm just saying, like, that's where this show is operating right now, like uh, Secret Invasion. It's like, what's the dumb stuff that nobody cares about? Like, and then and I don't want to be in that space, you know? And well, by, by your own logic, episode five is the money maker. And here's, here's my problem with where we're going. I think they think it matters more that Rhodey is a scroll. And 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 if they think it matters more than we think it does, then that's what next week needs to be: is show me why it matters that Rhodey has been a scroll for as long as you're excited to tell me, right? Like, was was he a scroll when he was kneeling down to say goodbye to Tony Stark? And does it is it make it more fun to go back and watch that scene because? In a recent interview with like Kevin Feige, they talked about how early on they talked to Rhodey about this doing this because they wanted to have a big character in the MCU be a scroll. And I'm just like, one, I never consider this a big character. Oh, but whoa. but two, I mean, like nobody wants like like it's it's Iron Man 2. That's what he is, right? He's Iron Man 2. Like it, it Ironheart is Iron Man three, like we just have we have th we have three operating Iron people or two operating ones. One's dead, you know. And I'm just like it dilutes it a little bit when we keep having more of the same power. I that's what I was just saying, you know what I mean? Like 
let's have different superheroes. Like I like I like that Sam Wilson is like his own thing, right? He's like, yeah, he's calling himself Captain America, but he's but yeah, like, he's a he's a different character with different skill set. Yeah, he's got a totally different skill set and stuff like that. And so I'm just like, when your superpower is flying around in a suit of armor, and then the other guy is also the same superpower, it just becomes like. Okay, yeah. it's it's cool, you know, whatever. I get it. Somebody's always got to be doing that. And so, like, I'm excited at the idea that next week could be good acting scenes for Don Cheadle. You know, like, I think Don Cheadle's an amazing actor, and I love watching him do everything he does. I just want to I just want to know why I'm supposed to care that Rhodey has been a scroll for this long, because he hasn't done, to my knowledge, anything really impactful in the Avengers other than he helped bring back an infinity stone because otherwise all of the universe would die. You know what I mean? Like that's not, but if well, you were, if... I I think wherever we get at the end of this show or in the next episode is going to be whatever leads us into his movie in two years. Yeah, you're probably right. But like, I, that's why I'm saying I, I'm waiting to see if they can make me excited for that. I I mean, if, if we're just playing like what the facts are, that movie was a show, right? Right. And if you can either look at it two ways, they were either worried, that like, hey, maybe we should just make this a movie instead. Or they were really excited, like, hey, this is really cool. We should make a movie out of this. Yeah, it makes you feel weird knowing that, right? Like either way, the information kind of taints your perception of it right sometimes it's too it, knowing too much about the production of something changes the way you experience it you know and so i i'll feel weird watching armor wars regardless of if it's good because i'll be like would the other one have been better or would it have been way worse because they didn't have enough stuff to use you know like that's yeah, I don't like having extra thoughts like that. I mean, I, I know it's fun, it's meta and stuff like that, but I just want to experience it for fun and, and have just oh. try not to have a lot of bias. And so I, I feel like this show is making me biased towards not being excited for, for the continuation of his story unless they really make this episode matter, which I see it's putting too much pressure on episode oh, five. You're, you're, you're saucing it up right now. It's too much pressure. And you you want like a superhero to show up really quick also. Like <laughs> it's too much, right? So I, I like I'm you could get a Moon Knights over there somewhere, right? Show me Moon <laughs> Knight. You. you keep doing it. If they bring in the man thing, I'm just done. I'm like <laughs> Elsa like, Bloodstone. Come Elsa on in. Elsa Bloodstone and the man thing and werewolf by night all show up. Yeah, fuck Blade. it. Bring them in. They meet Blade. Uh Nick Fury says, I love you guys. Gives them a Quinjet. Bam, new spin-off show. And you're like, what? I didn't know we were getting this. Um, that would be pretty cool. But <laughs> like, but I feel like why tease it? Why why not even give us anything remotely that cool for five for four episodes, right? Like that's that's a long time to string us along. And I just feel like, you know, when when the when SAG and after uh, SAG and the writers guild are talking about like possibly ish instituting a boycott for your streaming services because they're just vampires that are trying to like extract all this money and and they're and the and i guess most actors and writers don't even get very 
big residuals for the stuff on streaming no, platforms? No, no, I don't think anyone gets residuals. Yeah. And so that just means that the streaming platforms are like the best way for these companies to just gain wealth. Um, and so, you know, when I hear them say, hey, we might have to buy, boycott the streaming services, I'm like, what do I lose? Secret Invasion? You lose your favorite uh, Love Island, right? Or that's reality stuff of the count. You mean F-Boy Island? F-Boy Island. <laughs> they already removed that. That's gone. Oh, man. Max got rid of it, remember? That was a whole thing. They decided it was too, too much for their platform. And I was well, like, what? That was a whole thing. The show is a whole thing, and our podcast has become now a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> that's my my segue to wrap wrap this up. Nice. Yeah. No, I was fine. I was fine wrapping it up. Anyway, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't hate the show, but I am. It's like hate- it's like doing. Um, always equate it back to food like a sushi tasting right you're sitting at the bar and the chef's bringing you sushi you don't hate what he's bringing you but you know it could be better i hate that i know it could be better that's you can see how it could be better yeah i i'm just not i'm i'm not a fan of not telling any real story in in four episodes and like they really happen. I'll, that... I'll leave you with this question. Would you have liked the show better? Change nothing, except it's not called Secret Invasion. It does not have that baggage. No, because if I was watching it and it wasn't called that, I'd be like, why didn't they call this Secret Invasion? <laughs> like, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the name that I have. Undercover Takeover. I don't have a problem with it being called... I don't even have a problem with them doing a totally different version of the the scroll invasion in in live action. It's that there was a million different ways they could go with it, and this isn't really doing anything. It's a weird lane. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's it. It needs to like. It needs to really like. Am I supposed to care about Gravik, or is he going to die like next week or two, in two weeks? I mean, he's probably going to die. Yeah. See, like. It would be cool if he was somebody more important, like right if he went in, into hiding and then became the kingpin for a little while, and then became and then became different villains. And you know, like maybe that's that's the stinger. They shoot him, and then he turns into a different scroll. He becomes Kang. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Um, I, but yeah, I I don't care. It's not the name that's bothering me about the show. It's that the it's the aimlessness. It's the it's the that they just they're just spinning their wheels you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they're not they're not doing anything and then if they go into high speed next week it's going to be jarring right because it's going to be like oh where did where did that come from like we're you know uh, would i be mad if it was awesome next week no i'm not gonna be mad i but like am i expecting it to be awesome next week i'm not i'm not that's where i am that's right well i'm excited to chat about next week once we're in line amongst our peers and uh we'll see where those conversations go but i think it is time to wrap this episode up uh thanks again uh for our new viewers and our person who's been watching this on twitch we love you we thank you if you like what you see like subscribe give us a download on podbean maybe you like our patreon uh patreon.com slash denix uh, celsius where you'll find oh, all our denix stuff. media 
Denex Media, <laughs> kick a buck or two or maybe three, and you get some cool content uh, on a weekly basis. But next week, uh, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, Dennis and I are going to be at Comic-Con. We'll get some posts um, up. You'll probably hear our thoughts. But uh, we will not be doing a normal show, uh, given everything else. But we'll be back uh, the following week to talk about the exciting conclusion of Secret Invasion. But if you are our fans and you run into us at, at Comic-Con and you ask us our opinion of Secret Invasion... We'll I'll give, give you a dollar if you run we'll, up to us. We'll give it to you, <laughs> but you got to sign NDA. Yeah, you got to sign NDA. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks All again. Right. Thanks again, true believers. Enough said. Enough said.